Central Baptist Church. If you would, please stand with me as we sing 433, Since I Have Been Redeemed. six higher ground I'm pressing on Faith on heaven 
Bittinger, would you please, please pray? But you, that is awesome to see that. Younger like that, playing like that. Well, so good to see you all tonight. Welcome to Central Baptist Church. I am not Pastor Waterloo. He is not here tonight. He's out away preaching. I know we cannot wait for him to get back. But tonight, there's a lot going on. You're like, man, this is, does not feel like a Sunday night service. This is not the regular Sunday night service, I am telling you. We had a teen offering. But here in a little bit, we'll have a teen special. But, uh, but tonight, we have a special treat for you. We have two young men here from Heartland Baptist Bible College will be coming and preach for you. I don't know about you, but I'm nervous for them because it feels like I was just there in their shoes. But tonight uh, we have Dylan Hendricks. He's from Iowa. He's a third year missions major and here also the, the second preacher of the night. We'll have two. We'll have Dylan come up first. He'll preach. 
Then we'll have two congregationals, and then we'll have the choir, the teen choir. They'll come up and sing. Then after that, Aaron Bowles. He is a fourth-year youth major, and he is from Iowa. Now let's give Dylan Hendricks a good Central Baptist welcome. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. So thankful to be here. I'd like to start by thanking Brother Matt for the invitation to come. And I know he's not here, but I'd like to thank Pastor Waterloo for allowing us to come and preach this evening. I'm very thankful for the opportunity, very excited. So if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5, fairly well-known well -known portion of Scripture. Galatians chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 13 through 18. Verses 13 through 18. And this is what it says. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye could not do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you tonight so thankful for the opportunity to gather in your house. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. And I just pray that you'd calm my nerves and that you would use me, that you'd speak through me. And we love you, Lord, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we can see here um, through in Galatians a little background information of what was going on before this. We had a lot of uh, false teachers, and they were coming in to the church of Galatia, uh, Galatia teaching false doctrine. And so what was happening is that they were coming in, and essentially they were telling them that if you're not circumcised, if you're not living out the law, then you can't be saved. But Paul is stressing to them that, hey, you were doing right, so who did hinder you? And these false teachers came in and were kind of confusing them, and they started living out in their flesh once again. They turned back to their own sinful ways. They were living in the law. They were trying to just earn their way by works. And so Paul assures them that, hey, the gospel that I preach, the gospel that I bring, is not of man, nor was I sent by man, but that he was sent by God, and that gospel is from God. And so in verse 13, this is what it says once again, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So here Paul is telling them that you are called unto liberty. And so liberty is freedom, the freedom that we have in Christ. And so when I think of freedom, I think of our great country, America. And uh, we have great liberty, great freedom in our country. And our great one thing, one word... When asked to describe America, many people would say liberty. And we have many things signifying liberty in our country. We have the Statue of Liberty. We have the Liberty Bell. And that liberty doesn't come for free. That freedom isn't just free. We have many men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice that we can enjoy the liberties that we have in our country today. But many times as Americans, we can abuse that liberty that we have. We can use that liberty to just live however we want to because after all we're free right we often hear the term well it's a free country so I can do what I want I can do as I please but just because we live in a free country just because you have that freedom doesn't make your selfish desires to fulfill what you want to do right 
Just because you're free does not make everything that you want to do right. And this is exactly what was going on in the church of Galatia. They were using the liberty that they had in Christ for their own selfish desires, for their own sins, so that they could use it to justify. And so through the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ... He has come and he has taken away the need of the law. He has fulfilled the law. And the Galatians were trying to live out the law once again in their flesh because they could. And so Paul was stressing to them, there's no need for you to live out this because Jesus Christ has come and taken away that need. And so because we have been set free from the bondage of sin, there's no need to turn back to that sinful life. But yet we have that tendency, don't we? We have these things that, such as worldly music and and our old flesh desires that seem so great that we want to grasp to, but there's no need for us to turn back to that because Christ has come back to uh, remove the need for that. And so, secondly, I want to look at this in verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so what was going on here is not only were they, they living in their flesh and living in sin because they thought that they could, but they had a lot of strife against one another. They couldn't work together. They couldn't serve one another in love, as he said in verse 13, that they need to. And so I kind of think of it this way. We can come to church, and we can all come to church and put this great facade on that we live this great, wonderful Christian life. But then behind one of another, we gossip. We heard about it this morning, didn't we, about the tongue, how great and powerful and strong and destructive the tongue can be. This is the same idea here that... They were, they were fighting against one another. They had strives against one another. And Paul was telling them, you don't need to have this strife against one another. You have liberty in Christ. Serve one another in love. Serve one another in love and the liberty of Christ that you have. But they couldn't, they couldn't get a hold of that. And we can do the same thing. We can come to church and we can gossip about one another. We can come to church and then we can go home behind backs of our church members and talk bad about one another. Our teenagers, how about this? I've been in a youth group once. We have so many different cliques and so many different uh, friend groups in a teen group. But then one of them, one group can hate the other group. And you might not openly have that hate show, but you can hate each other. And you can gripe and, and fight about little things over and over and over and over. And church members, same thing. You can go to work and have these, these strifes against one another. You can come to church and have these strifes against one another. But why can we not just... Live and serve one another in love because we have been, we are called unto liberty. We are to serve each other in love and liberty. We have been set free from this and we do not need to have these strives against one another. And so I remember when I was a kid, um, I, was, I was a very competitive kid and my sister and I would play sports a lot together. We were very close to the same age, but she was not big into sports. And so when I was um, if I wasn't out playing in a game or at practice, she was really the only one that I ever had that I could take out in the backyard and play baseball with. I played baseball growing up, and I loved it. And we would always get in arguments. We would always fight. We would always get angry with each other. And we could never work together, even if it wasn't with sports. Anything that we would do in the house or at home, we would always fight. And my dad would always stress to us, why can you guys just not get along and love one another? Why do you always have to fight? Why do you always have to have these strifes against one another? What is it that's so bad that you cannot just come together and love each other and work together and work things out? And we have the same tendencies in our own Christian life. And we can look at all the things that somebody does wrong. I don't like the way that they're doing this. I don't like the way that they do this. I hate them because they do this. 
But why can we not just come together in the liberty of Christ and serve one another in love, as Paul is telling the Galatians here? And so, as we come down to this, and then we get to verse 15, uh, 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we come to this. You say, how can I resist having all these fleshly desires come back in my life? How can I have all these, these hates and strifes and not, and not get to the point where I can just push those aside and love? How do I love somebody and work with them and love and serve them and love in the liberty of Christ? How do I turn away from the sinful desires that I so greatly desire to be a part of and to take hold of and live out? Because it's easy knowing that you can just get this mindset that, hey, I'm saved. I have the freedom to do what I want to do. I have liberty in Christ. After all, he'll love me no matter what I do, so I can do what I want. But that is a lie from Satan. We cannot, just because we have liberty in Christ, does not mean that we can do whatever we want. So what Paul is saying here in verse 16, I'll read it one more time. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the flesh. So what he's saying is, take all these sinful desires that you have, take all this hate, this, these strifes, this, the bickering, the anger, the fight, the hate, and all these sinful lusts, such as, well, I'll name some off here. How about some worldly music that might have grasped your attention one day before you were saved? Or how about all the sins that you can take into on one of these, on your phone? Or things on the television that you know that you shouldn't be watching? Or things with your friends that you know you shouldn't talk about? Or worldly language that you know that you shouldn't use? Or a horrible attitude towards someone in the church or someone in your youth group or someone at work? How about you take all of that and you channel it and you take it, not the product of the sin, not the sin itself, but the zeal and the, the desire to do that. Take that desire and push away the sin, push away the hate, and take that desire and channel it to the things of God. Channel it to serving God in liberty and in love. Serve one another in love. Take all of that sin, all of that desire, all the hate, and push it away, forsake it, and walk in the Spirit. Channel all of that and walk in the Spirit and serve one another in love. And how... And that is the only thing that's going to help you and keep you from walking in your fleshly desires because there's nothing that we can do to keep ourselves from that. And so, verse 18, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And so here's what he's saying. If you take all of these desires, your sins and all of these things that are, they're holding up into them and that they're trying to abuse the liberty that they have in Christ to freely walk in this. They're, they're trying to use their freedom to live out the life that they want to live, their fleshly desires. And once they take that and they push it away and they walk in the Spirit, then they cannot be held by the bondage that they were held by in their sin. And why is that? Because Jesus Christ took away that by giving us liberty in Him to freely serve Him. And so this brings me back to my point my, my short illustration from the beginning. In our great country that we have, we have so many freedoms. We have so many uh, things that we can do freely, such as serving God. And we can come here to church tonight and we can sing praises to Him. We can preach His Word. We can listen to God's Word preached and sing many great songs. And so why don't we just come together 
And instead of going behind one another and hating one another and fighting and bickering and having all this strife and living in our sin, because we all have sins in our life. It's, that's evident, and that's going to happen. How about we take all of that and we push it away, not bring the product with us, push the sin away, push away the hate, and channel all of that desire towards living for God. And that we serve one another in love and that we push away all of the sin, all of the things that we don't need in our life. And so, I have a question tonight. Are the sins that are in your life and the, the strives that you might have, are they holding you up? And are you trying to... Are you trying to... Forgive me, I'm trying to think of a word here. Are you trying to justify that? with the freedom that you have in Christ? The freedom that you have in Christ, are you abusing that by living a life of whichever you desire to live? And instead of taking that freedom that you have and living for Christ freely, not freely in your sin, but freely for Him, free from your sin. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? That He would free us from our sin. So why would we turn back to it? Why would we turn back from a life that is so destructive and so horrible just for something so low when we could sin, when we could turn away from our sin and serve Christ freely in the liberty that he gives to us. So, will you live in the sin that so greatly hinders you from God and his work or will you take the liberty that you have in Christ and will you use it for what it's used for and stop abusing it? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this evening and so thankful for, once again, for who you are and just, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us and we thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we have in you and I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for uh, just abusing the sin, uh, the, the freedom that we have in you as we always do and I pray that we wouldn't take advantage of it, but Lord, that we would channel it to living for you and serving you in love, and uh, Lord, that we would just do it for the right things. And we love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you would please stand with me as we sing 413, Love Lifted Me. Sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. 
souls in danger look above Jesus completely saves He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves He's the master's of the sea billows His will obey He your Savior wants to be me saved Two sixteen, dwelling in Beulah Land. Bountiful supply 
seated.
my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Alrighty, good evening. Uh, Central Baptist Church is such a great day in the house of the Lord this morning with a powerful message from Brother Len. It was so impactful and just good honoring music throughout the day. Thank you, teenagers, for that wonderful song. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Powerful message from uh, Brother Dylan about the flesh. I mean, oftentimes I just don't want to have the flesh on me. I just want to live a glorified life, but I saw this flesh until that one day we call it up into the sky. John chapter 1, we'll be uh, reading verse 15. If you please stand for the honor of God's word. John chapter 1, verse 15. Alrighty. Reading verse 15, it says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. He that, for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in his bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that hast sent us? What sayest thou to of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize thou, if thou be not that Christ, nor, nor Elias, neither that prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. Let's pray. The Lord thanks a wonderful day. Hide me behind your cross. Am I worthy to bear your name? But thank you for so much for showing your grace and mercy to myself and all those who are saved here uh, this evening. Uh, give me the word to say. Help me honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. English, my favorite language to speak, really the only language I know how to speak. I mean, I took three years of Spanish in high school. I actually took Latin in middle school, but I don't understand a lick of any Latin or Spanish. So really, English is my love, my first language, my only language. But it was absolutely my worst subject in all of high school. I absolutely disliked English. I mean... Spelling and vocabulary, yeah, those are things I use, but I'm not very good at them. So I ha- I'm starting to have a deep, not, I can't use the word hatred, but a deep loathsome of vengeance towards English. Not, not, the, not the language we speak, but to the, the subject of English. If there's English, English teachers in here, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. But I just have a loathsome hate for English. And it, it just frustrates me. And, there, and there's something about the English and they're like, Okay, we have to read, 
right? I mean, okay, those are good. And uh, I only passed third grade English. Um, but, the, and, uh, but there was like diagramming sentences, and I had no idea why we had a diagram sentences. So you had to, for a sentence like, John ran to the car. So John, you have to underline as a noun, and then you have to put a slash, and then you have to put two lines underneath the verb. Does this sound familiar at all? Does anybody? Yeah, they're like, who uses that? Who absolutely uses diagramming in today's society? Nobody does besides English teachers, okay? No offense, but and I just get frustrated at that. And I would oftentimes have questions. I had no idea where the answer was. And so sometimes I had to humble myself and go to the teacher and say, I don't know the answer. And she would come and she's like, well, you need to look at the next page and see. And she, she had a higher pitched voice, and so I'm just trying to portray that what the situation was. And I was just like, oh, come on, like, how did I miss the answer when it was on the next page? And someone had to direct me to the answer. And, and John the Baptist, I mean, he is ripping face in the wilderness, he is crying in the wilderness. Now, this crying is not when you're at 12, in the, 12 at night and you're trying to walk around in the living room and somehow you manage to always hit that coffee table and stub your baby pinky toe and it feels like, ah, it just feels like crazy like that. And, you, and that's not that type of crying, but it's rather shouting or proclamation saying, hey, what I have here is a very important message. You need to listen. And he's saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And so they, uh, people are having questions and and. And John's showing them, hey, I have the answer. You need to listen. Now, in verse 15 through 18, this is John's message. He was bearing a witness of him. Uh, to witness was to uh, be the, he was like the proclaimer. The, he was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. And we see here in a passage that John was preaching this message of grace and truth. And we see here, it says, for the law uh, came by uh, Moses and the law, and, and the law only stated that man was imperfect and that there was no way on earth that you could ever get to heaven except through grace and truth. And this grace and truth, they never really truly heard about it. They, they believed in it, but they were confused when he said grace for grace. And this grace he was talking about, that first word grace for grace, is God's bestowing favor upon us that he died on the cross for our sins. That's that grace he's talking about. And that word for it says instead of or because of, because of the grace that we received on Calvary and we, and we have accepted that, you also receive abounding grace time and time again. They don't, and they're not very used to this word grace. Grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. Grace is God's bestowing favor, as I mentioned earlier. The truth... Jesus Christ embodies the truth. And uh, uh, commentators say, grace without truth would be deceitful, and truth without grace would be condemning. And we see in verse 18 that no man has seen, has seen God. Uh, sorry, let's read that. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in his bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. And he's showing to here that this Jesus Christ has seen God and that no man is capable of seeing Christ. I mean, when Moses looked down on, on the mountain and saw just the, the tip of his garment, he was, his face literally shone because of how holy God was. And he's John showing that this Jesus Christ, he is God in flesh. He's declaring his deity. And so when people are hearing this, they, they knew it was a sin to blaspheme God, to compare themselves to God, to say that they were God. But he's saying, this Jesus Christ, he is God. 
No, they, they, they had so many questions. I only can imagine John the Baptist just standing by the Jordan River and hundreds, maybe thousands of people are trying to listen to what he's saying. And they're like, what is, what is this grace for grace? Who is this Jesus Christ? How, how, how is Jesus Christ seeing God? And they have all these questions and, and they really don't know where to go. So they go to the wisest, most smartest men. They go back to Jerusalem to go ask the priests and the Levites. And the Levites are okay. Uh, we, know, we know the scripture, we study in the inside out, we know the Pentateuch, but we don't fully understand what uh, John the Baptist is saying. And so they decide to set on a venture. I don't know how many there was. I mean, two, five, 50, 60, I don't know how many went, but I'm sure they went on their way reading their uh, rolls and they're marching on their way. And they, they can hear John crying 2,000 feet away, they hear him half a mile away, and they hear this man going absolutely ballistic, a man dressed in camelback hair, and, and he's eating wild honey and locusts, and they're like, what is this wild man doing? Like, it kind of reminds us of like Elijah, the prophet in the old times, just a crazy man, a manly man, and, and they can hear his voice, and they're like, this message is authoritative. He has a message, and it has authority behind it. And so I only can imagine this. I don't know if it's true or not. But I just imagine all of them just circle around John. And they're just looking him up and down, kind of judging him, seeing like, okay, what's this man? What, what's he saying? And, and they see that uh, this man, his dress, his preaching, it was unnatural for anybody to be doing that, especially in the wilderness. Now, maybe a couple of the priests knew his father, Zacharias, and his mother, Elizabeth. And they knew that John the Baptist's own uh, birth was a miracle. But the first question they offer is, who art thou? I mean, it's not a question like, hey, who are you? Nice to meet you. My name is Zephaniah the priest, or my name is, I can't think of a Jewish name, uh, Ishmael the Levite. They're not like introducing themselves like that, but who art thou? They're asking, are you the Messiah? And, and, they, and he's like, he humbled himself and he said, I am not the Messiah. He, they, they knew Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. They knew Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. These are, these are referring to the scriptures that there is going to be a forerunner, a proclaimer to Jesus Christ, the Messiah coming. But he denied that he was the Christ. And they asked him, art thou, the, art thou Elias? Referring to Elijah. And he said, I am not Elias, but I came in the spirit of Elijah. And they asked him, art thou that prophet? And, and they referring to Jeremiah the prophet that he was going to come back and help out the Jews. But he assured him that he was not that prophet either. But rather, in Isaiah, he said back in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight the desert a, the desert a highway of God. And we see here that he's referring back to that in verse 23. And all these questions, I mean, how did John answer their questions? How did he point them? How did he answer the questions that they were asking? Who art thou? Art thou Elias? Art thou the prophet? Why baptize thou? And we see the Pharisees come, upon, come this scene. I don't know if they were there originally or where they just they came. And they asked him, why baptize thou? Now, this whole entire time, they see, they're literally witnessing Old Testament prophecy being unveiled to them right in front of their, eye, right in front of their eyes. This, 
And verse 23, we see that it says, uh, make straight. This is a sense of urgency, a, a very important message that he's trying to deliver. And this, this Lord, the Lord is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. John is telling the hearers that they need to listen. They need to remove any obstacles in their lives for the coming of the Messiah to prepare their hearts. It could be family getting in the way. It could be a job. It could be uh, religion. Excuses in their heart that's getting away for Jesus coming into their heart. Now, when the Pharisees asked, why baptize thou? John was say, he said unto them that he was baptizing with water like we do here and you guys do here at Southwest, any independent uh, Baptist church does. Uh, though today the word baptism generally evokes thoughts of identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, baptism did not begin with Christians. For years before Christ, the Jews had, a, had used baptism in a ritual cleansing ceremony of Ju- uh, Gentile proselytes. John the Baptist took baptism and applied it to the Jews themselves. It wasn't just for the Gentiles who needed cleansing. Many believed John's message and were baptized by him in Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The baptism John performed had a specific purpose. The priests and Levites then questioned his authority to baptize, but he said, my authority is from God. John was trying not to make himself of any higher value, but all he was trying to do, all the questions they're asking, He's pulling them back to Christ, back to the Messiah. He's, he, he goes back again and saying, this Christ Jesus, he is the Messiah. He is God in flesh. He is coming to, uh, reprint, to uh, take away your sins. And he's here. And all these questions, all the questions that they had, he's pulling them back to God. The born-again believer today must point the loss to Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility for those who are lost, going to die in the hell, that they don't deserve to spend an eternity. Well, I mean, they do, but we shouldn't be willing to send them to a place where there's gnashing teeth, complete darkness, screaming, ter- eternal torment. It should be our responsibility to tell them who Jesus Christ is. Now it's a teen night, so I figured talk about the teenagers a little bit. So uh, do we have, are we having pizza tonight, or what are we having? Does anybody know? Yeah, pizza? Is it good pizza? Okay, no, we don't know. Wait, are we complaining in church that it's not good pizza? Is that what I'm hearing? Okay, okay. Conviction right there. All right, one, two, three. I'll come back to you guys real quick. Okay, so who goes to Ponca City High? Come on, raise your hands. It's okay. It's okay. All right, who goes to West Middle School? Anybody? No, no middle schoolers. East Middle School? There we go, back there. What about, uh, who goes to CBA? Anybody go to CBA? There we go. All right. Who's homeschooled? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. It's all right. I never was homeschooled, so I don't have to be worried about that. So, teenagers, you have lost classmates, lost teammates, lost brothers, lost sisters. There's people in your life who will ask questions all the time. So, I mean, oftentimes they ask you questions like, hey, or you go to Pocket City High or a middle school or, I mean, homeschool friends. I mean, even Christian school. They're like, hey, why don't you live an immoral life? Why don't you, why aren't you appealing to your flesh? It's okay if you can sneak around after dark and, and let your, your parents don't need to know what you're doing. It's okay to live an immoral life. It's fun. But, like, hey, why are you missing out on this, all this fun? Or, like, like why, don't you, why don't you want to vape? 
I mean, vaping is like the coolest thing. I mean, you got cotton candy flavor, probably have like chicken noodle flavor, or pizza flavor. I don't know. Vaping, they're trying to say, hey, why don't you vape with us? Or, hey, it's, it's okay if you want to get high a little bit. Like, you do a little weed on the side. I mean, it's okay if you do it on a Friday night. You get and let it rest on Saturday, and you'll be fine on Sunday. Just repent of your ways. It's fine. But why don't you want to do that with us? Or why don't you uh, hang out with us anymore? And these questions, they offer, they're asking all these questions. And, and you can take this opportunity to point them back to Christ. You can take this opportunity to show them why you don't do this anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Do you guys sing that song? Yeah, that's a good song. I can't sing, though, so I'm not going to sing it for you. Yeah, so we can take the opportunity to point them back to the cross, what Jesus has done for you and what he's done for them. We take every opportunity. May they offer you questions about church. They may ask you, why do you go to church so often? Why do you spend every waking moment, every time the church doors open, why are you coming to church? I mean, what's the purpose behind church, right? I mean, is, is it to, like, I don't know. Like, they offer all these questions. I mean, why do you guys go to camp every single year? I mean, do you guys, are you guys allowed to bring phones at camp? No, good. Yeah, that's good. That's right. All right, like, that's torture right there. You can't have your phone for a solid five days. And like, why, why would your church want to do that? I mean, why do you guys have a spiritual boot camp? You, you tell us every single year, you call this place Camp Coleman? What a, what a bunch of weirdos you guys are here over here. Why do you why have all these things? They have all these questions about church. But you can, you can answer all these questions and point them back to Christ. Because how much you love God, you want to go to church every time the doors open. You want to go to church and to camp and to camp, uh, spiritual boot camp. You do it because you love God. You have friends, family, neighbors who are maybe asking questions why you follow God and Jesus. Why you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Is God even real? I mean, you know you guys are part of a cult, right? Or like, you know, Jesus actually didn't rise from the grave. It's all a hoax, man. You don't, you don't have to believe this. Man, what you believe is child tales. They're fairy tales, man. What you believe, why, why do you even put your faith in Jesus Christ? It's ridiculous. Why do you do that? And time after time, they ask you these questions, and you can point them back to Jesus Christ. All these questions are perfect opportunities to point them back to Christ. Now, that's to everybody. Um, you have to point the lost to Christ. He's the answer to their problems. If we do not point the lost to Christ, they're going to find false truth through other means of avenues. They're going to find truth and... Uh, uh, sorry, I can't even speak right now. They're going to try to find that void that's missing in their life that only can be filled through Jesus Christ through other means. They try to get high uh, through drugs, and every time they do that, they'll never be filled that void in their life. They can try to drink all they can to think, uh, lose their uh, past sins. They're not trying to think of how much poverty they're in or their divorce they're going through. They're trying to drink, but every time they come out of their uh, hangover, they realize that there's a... That there's something missing. They try sleeping with multiple different people, but that void will never fill. That satisfaction will never be filled. Uh, somebody trying to sorry, transition from a male to a female, a female to a male, they're trying to get attention, trying to get joy, satisfaction. It will never happen. It only happens when you point them to Christ because Jesus is the only void that can fill their lives. It is our responsibilities as Christians to point the lost to Christ. Money will never solve the issue. I mean, you see millionaires, billionaires who always uh, kill themselves because they think money's going to be the answer, but time and time, all that money is just flowing out, 
flowing out. It's not going, filling that void in our life. It only can be filled through Jesus Christ. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We have a need to point the lost to Christ. Right now, there's a friend in your school who you know they're going through, their parents are going through a divorce, and, and you don't know how to help them, but you know who can help them. Do You know who has the answers. You don't, you don't have the answers. Your wisdom, your vast knowledge of 18 years, 16 years, 14 years old, you don't have a lot of knowledge. But who has all the knowledge, who has all the answers is Jesus Christ. Pointing back to Jesus Christ. Maybe there's somebody in your geometry class on Tuesday mornings who wears long sleeves all the time, and, they, and you know why. They cut themselves because they're trying to deal with the pain, the agony of their mom getting diagnosed with stage 3 liver cancer. Maybe there's a freshman boy at lunch. You see, he sits by himself all the time because he, he's lonely, he has no purpose in life, and he has contemplated suicide time and time again, and he needs somebody in his life to fulfill, not fulfill, but to point him back to Christ. We need to show him that there's a purpose of living. There's hope in Jesus Christ. We have to point the loss to Jesus Christ. There's somebody who is, who, maybe it's somebody in your own life, a family member, a parent possibly, who is lost. You need to show them how much Jesus loves them, how much Jesus died on the cross for their, their sins. We have to point the loss back to Jesus Christ. But you're saying, Aaron, I go to CBA. I am super holy. Everybody there is living a sanctified life. Nobody's living in sin. Everybody there from pre-K to 12th grade is saved. I'm homeschooled. My mom teaches me the Bible. I know everything about the Bible. But I went to, I went to three different Christian schools from pre-K to 12th grade. And I never received salvation until I got into my 8th grade year. So there's pre-Ks to 12th graders who, not, who do not know who Jesus Christ is. Even in your own Christian school, there's people who need to know who Jesus Christ is. There's people in your homeschool co-op who know that you're a Christian, who know that, you, that Jesus has died for your sins. You need to point them to Jesus Christ. There's people in your workplace, wherever you work. There's people in my own life. There's a guy at work. I work at Home Depot. Super fun. I wear an orange apron all the time. It's a blessing. And uh, Pedro, his name is Pedro. He has a Catholic background. Really just somewhat raised background. But Pedro, he believes in a lot of crazy stuff. He believes in aliens, Area 51, anything that appears on the History Channel at 3 in the morning. Like this man is like, like he just believes anything and everything. Like, oh. Do you know that ghosts are real? I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's like angels and demons. Like, no, 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 like, you know that your ancestors should come and visit you? I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, and like, he has all these D-U-M-B uh, questions, and like, they, and, and they, he, he aggravates me at times. He really does. And I've been working on it for six months, and all these questions, I'm like, how can I point him back to Christ? And I, I, oftentimes I get very frustrated at him. And I remember one question, he was like, Hey, you know, uh, you know evolution's right, man. I'm like, are you serious right now? Okay, you want to talk about this? Okay, I said, take a Lego box, uh, a Lego set, maybe like a race car or uh, some sort type, and open all the boxes and uh, bags and put them back into the box and shake it up for 10 years. You think it's going to be a race car in 10 years? He said, oh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I'm like, 
You hear yourself right now. I say, I'll give you 50 years to do it, and none of the, maybe two pieces will come together. It's literally impossible to everything just, boom, the earth, gravity, wow. Sciences came. Oh, E equals MC squared. No, that's not how it works. You have to, all these questions, I had to point them back to Christ. And it's just time and time, over six months I had to work on him. And last November, I was able to get him to come to Friend Day. He came for a couple Sundays. And I'm still trying to get him to understand that he needs Jesus Christ in his life. It is our responsibility to reach the lost souls of Ponca City. Yours and mine is Oklahoma City. And your Jerusalem is Ponca City High. Is West Middle or East Middle or CBA or your homeschool co-op. And your Judea is here at Ponca City High. The lost are everywhere. Every, every Friday night in the fall when you go to Poe High football stadium and you watch your team uh, play football and demolish the other teams. And, and he, but, but really, it's fun to watch football. I mean, I love football. But the whole entire stadium, there's people who Jesus died on the cross for. I mean, wherever you go, get ice cream, Conehead or Brahms. There's places they're enjoying their ice cream, but they don't know that they can find true enjoyment, true purpose, true love through Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility to show the lost who Jesus is. They may, they may not want to hear it, but they need to hear it. Maybe you're saying, it's too uncomfortable. It's not convenient for me to share the gospel, but I know I have to. And that actually just happened to me a couple hours ago. After we went out to eat with Brother Jacob and Brother Matt, we went to HDO, Dylan, Carter, and I. And there was this cashier, his name's Merrill. And, and I had this message on my mind, and I'm like, oh, I don't have a track for uh, Ponca City, for Central, and, and I don't know what to do. And, and, and I, like, I just brushed off. I told God, hey, my excuse is I don't have a track, so... And so I w- came back here and practiced my sermon, and I could not get Merrill's name off my heart. And I was like, man, I was willing to compromise my comfortability for his eternity. His, if, I, if I see him the great white throne, I was, and I had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. So all that going on, I had a, it's, it was uncomfortable asking for someone to go get him, but I offered him the track to come to church. Oftentimes it can be uncomfortable, but we have to point the lost back to Jesus Christ. So how are you accomplishing this? How are you accomplishing this to point the lost to Christ? Are you taking some tracts from your church and giving them out to every single person that you walk by? Or are you just only doing it when it's convenient to you? Whenever you have visitation, whenever you're at school and you're carrying around, you should carry around tracks. I need to carry around tracks more at work. Everybody here needs to be carrying the gospel with them. We need to be sharing the gospel with them. That could be also through our testimonies. We need to point the lost to Christ. There should be a willingness to point the lost to Christ. But if we're not, then how are they here? So are you pointing the lost to Christ? To award this wonderful day, the opportunity to preach your word to... Just, just being a servant to you for, for all you've done for me. I'm not even worthy at all, but you've done so much, and I've done so little, Lord. Be with Merrill as he is uh, lost, and he knows the Central Baptist Church, Lord.
but help that encounter I had with him to be uh, a good thing and help him to come to church, Lord. But these teenagers' lives, Lord, help them to point the loss to you through their middle school, through Ponca City High, through CBA or the homeschool groups, Lord, there's loss all around us, and adults with their work and family members, Lord, just help us to realize the importance of pointing the loss to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand for a time of invitation. Uh, two great messages that makes me think, uh, you know, sometimes we get complacent, right? Complacent living the way we want to while claiming to be a Christian. We're complacent and not sharing the gospel with others. So this would be a great time to respond if God has spoken to you. Page 167, we're saying, just as I am on the first verse. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am and waiting not to soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am though tossed about with many a conflict many a doubt fightings and fears within without O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. This way, all God's people said, "Amen." What some great messages and a great evening. Uh, I haven't had a chance to meet uh, Aaron and Dylan uh, until today. Uh, we were needing some speakers, and so I got recommendations from Brother Hunter and Brother Jacob. And I'm just really glad that they came. They're just doing a fantastic job. Let's give them a hand for such a great job today. The memory serves me right. Uh, Brother Dylan, he is a junior, and this summer he's going to be doing a missions trip to Papua New Guinea. So we'll be praying for him. And then Brother Aaron has a ministry position in Texas with his former youth pastor. And just by getting to know them and hearing them preach, obviously, uh, I'm really excited for what God has to do with them. I think God's going to do some great things with these two, two guys. And then we got his friend, their friend Carter. <laughs> and Carter over here, he is a friend. He's been with us before. He helped us with our boot camp. We're going to have to preach uh, some other time. Um, but guys, if you don't mind, let's go ahead to the foyer. I would love to get the church to give us a chance to thank you for being here. 
here. You too, Carter. Yeah, you're part of it. <laughs> He's going to help us some, somehow tonight. We're going we're gonna to make him work. Anyway, y'all just head to the foyer uh, church. Please be sure to greet them, thank them for spending time, and give them a word of encouragement as they're going to be heading back to school this evening. Uh, really excited for them. Uh, also, I want to point out, I uh, did a couple of things differently this, uh, this time for the youth night. Uh, let's give Miss Kenley Bettinger a hand for her first offertory in church, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really good. Had the whole bidding curve fan, fan crew in the corner there. It was pretty awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited to get the, the, the younger kids a chance to, to play and use their gifts for the Lord. You noticed that we had some teenagers uh, doing the offering as well as the ensemble. And so in that vein, please encourage these teens. When you see them serving the Lord, let's make a big deal of it. This is a good thing to have teens that are willing and not scared uh, to do church and to participate. And so if you see them in the next couple of days, just thank them and appreciate them for what they're doing. Tonight is Super Bowl Gap. It's a different type of gap. We're still ending at nine, uh, but it, it, it's, it's going to be just a little bit different. We have upstairs. We're going to be watching the Super Bowl. We have not started up there, and so we'll be doing it playback, so please no spoilers on the scores. Uh, good luck to all you Chiefs fans, but I also hope you all lose. I'm tired of you all winning. Uh, I, I am not a 49ers fan, uh, but I'll be a fan of anything if it keeps Mahomes from doing this again and again and again. And so we have taught our youth group that we are not a Chiefs youth group this time around. Sorry to the obvious Chiefs fans that are all across this church, but... Not, it was not with us, okay? Uh, so we're going with the 49ers today. And if y'all win, whoop-de-doo, you get another one, okay? I'm, I'm really sick of it. The teens know this. I'm just sick of it. Um, so let's dismiss. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, so we're going to have pizza. We got some cookies made by Miss Shelley. By the way, uh, Miss Shelley, I uh, want to thank her for her work with the teen ensemble. So she's been taking care of the teens with the ensemble as well as the cookies upstairs. Lots of brownies and stuff, some ice cream. Have an open gym for some open volleyball and uh, football, uh, basketball in case the game gets really boring, which inevitably it will, but whatever. Uh, so we'll have a good time up there. Please pick up your kids at 9. If you rode on the bus, we'll make sure you get home. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a great day. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. Uh, incredible messages that we've heard uh, today, this morning, as well as uh, the two young men from Heartland that we got to hear uh, today. Please help us as a church to not let this day uh, be in vain for us to apply what you have given us today in your word. Uh, please be with our time with the teens for it to be safe and a fun time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for being here. Y'all are dismissed. Hi, I'm Pastor John Waterloo. Thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of the service. I hope one day you can connect with us here in our church service as well. That'd be such a great blessing. Uh, we'd also like to let you know about just some other resources we have. You can jump on our Facebook page or our website, wherever you'd like, and find out about our ministries. But again, we'd love to have you join with us one day. Thank you so much for being in our services, and may the Lord bless you.